Welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. The season is actually here. Last Saturday was just a tease with the exhibition. The real games are coming with Dayton on Wednesday, then NC State on Sunday. So the games matter, they're real, but it also feels a little bit like an exhibition, a glorified exhibition, followed by the first real chance to see what this UConn team is made of. But last games are games. This is no longer the preseason or the off season. This is going into game week. So always an exciting time of year. And I am more than ready for the season to be here. I'm over preview stuff. I'm over hypotheticals and predictions, which we will talk about plenty and all of that. I just want some real actual basketball that we can talk about against an opponent that belongs on the floor with them. Yeah, exactly. I've very much enjoyed the start of the season elsewhere tonight, and I'm ready for UConn to start theirs. Also, no disrespect to Southern Connecticut. They were actually pretty solid for a division yes, team against yes. UConn. <laughs> they put up a pretty solid fight, so that is not meant to be a knock at Southern Connecticut. They would absolutely crush the Croatian and Italian All-Stars. They would obliterate <laughs> them. So that was, I thought, one of the better exhibition opponents that UConn's had. But speaking of it, it's our first chance to see the team in action since Europe. First chance with a real semblance of a crowd there. And obviously the overarching story is it's Paige Becker's first time playing any sort of organized game since that 2022 national championship. She didn't play in Europe. She didn't play in their secret scrimmage against Syracuse last Saturday. This was it. And in classic page fashion, she opens it up with a bang, that really nice up and under layup. You just know that the way she did it in the exhibition and then coming up against Dayton, she's going to do something to just say, like, I'm back because it's exactly what she did in St. John's two years ago with that buzzer beater. Might not be that dramatic, but... I do not expect that first official basket back to just be a fast break layup where no one's on her. She's going to add a little bit of flair to it. Definitely. I think we saw it in the, the exhibition with her hyping up the crowd right afterwards, even though it's just an exhibition game. And obviously UConn was going to win easily. So it was, it was fun to see her back on the court. Then arguably she had a better play a minute later with that no look pass to Aaliyah. But I think the overarching feeling I get from that first performance back is beyond the fact that yes, she stayed healthy, obviously <laughs> is it's so easy to forget how much fun it is to watch Paige play out there. And there was her performance just exuded joy and happiness. And that was really fun to watch above all else. Definitely. I guess we should have let it off with that, that you can play 40 minutes of basketball and no one got hurt, which is <laughs> news in itself but yeah it was really excited exciting to see her back out there and see her be happy and ready to be back on the floor there was mo one moment that was a little nerve-wracking where like three bodies hit the floor at once and like people were falling near legs and a few inches one way or another it could have been pretty bad but it wasn't and i think 
those are probably just the type of plays that happen in every single basketball game that we are so sensitive and tuned into that it's going to take a little while to break out of that. Yeah, I think we've just gotten too used to seeing people go down that it's like every time someone's on the floor, you're like, oh no, what's this going to be? Right, but yes, 40 minutes, no problems. Although that does lead me into something else, which I was going to bring this up a little later, but I thought it was really notable that Gino said basically that there's still a pretty big concern over Aubrey's back and to kind of many issues going forward. Cause last year, obviously it affected her in the CAA tournament. She really wasn't herself that he's hoping to only play her in three to four minutes spurts at a time. Uh, anytime, you know, in your past, you've had back surgery. It's always something that you worry about, but um, if we can keep her minutes in, um, in bursts, you know, uh, three, four minutes here, three, four minutes there, and not have it be prolonged. I think we can, we can keep her that way. I don't know if that's a hard and fast rule, if that's just a general guideline or what, but a little disconcerting to hear that that has to be talked about and brought up in such a deliberate way. Yeah, I agree, and obviously something she's still struggling with. Uh, I mean, I guess hopefully, right, like, they'll be able to play her in that way and it won't limit her beyond that, but it's obviously, it's not great to hear that that's being brought up before you've even started the season. She did look good, though. Went yeah. Perfect on shots inside the two-point line. It was just a pretty classic Aubrey performance, but in a different type of way because it was just steady throughout the entire game. There wasn't this big stretch where Aubrey just took over and she's capable of that. It's not like it's a bad thing when that happens, but to see a very consistent, a very solid performance, almost an understated. There are very few times where you look at an Aubrey Griffin stat line and go, wow, I didn't know she had this many points and this many rebounds. No, you generally know when she's doing it. So I think that's a sign of consistency, a sign of maturity and it was a sign that the Aubrey that we saw in Europe, that one who was aggressive every time the ball was in her hands, it's still there. That didn't change. That wasn't just an aberration. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this team and a lot of front court depth. That's a really good sign to see because she's obviously someone that has experience playing with this team, which can't really be said about much of the other options in the front court. So, so having that as an option up front there, especially to start off the season, even if she is a little minute limited minutes wise, I think is a really good sign. Yeah. And her freshman year, she was the number two big on that team and it wasn't ideal, but she can hold her own against people decently bigger than her. I mean, if I, Aaliyah Boston's a bad example because no one could actually contain Aaliyah Boston, but like you put someone six, five against her, yeah, she's going to struggle, but Someone six three, in year six four, she can hold her own. And even I, I don't remember when you said this. It must have been Big East Media Day. There were like two players going at one, so I would leave my phone at one and I'd walk over to the other, and then I shared audio with people. Vika said that Aubrey is the best one-on-one individual defender that she has ever played with, 
which yes, obviously I can't imagine based on what the Croatian All Stars looked like. I can't imagine it's a high bar when she's back home, but she's played with some really good players at UConn. So for Aubrey to be number one, that's some pretty high praise. Yeah, I mean, even like compared to like Anolia Edwards, that's a really good one-on-one defender. So yeah, I agree. That's high praise, and at Aubrey's size, especially. Yeah, a long six-one, but certainly not a a strong. 6'1". Still a pretty wiry frame for her. She is not... Mm -hmm. Ice Brady is small in terms of height at 6'3", but she is not lacking anything in the strength department. Exactly. What other impressions did you have from the exhibition? What stood out? Either the players, the team, good, bad, anything? I was overall impressed with the freshmen. Uh, as a whole, I mean, I think KK Arnold, especially, I thought this is the first time I've seen her play and was really impressed um, with her confidence and just her ability to come out there and make a difference kind of right off the bat on both ends of the floor. But in general, I thought all of the freshmen came out. I feel like usually there's like what's someone that just looks like totally lost on the floor in that first game. And I didn't really feel that way about any of them. I think there's things they all need to work on and they'll probably, you know, and flow out of the rotation some, but no one looked completely lost out there, which I think is a really good sign in your first game. Right. They all got solid minutes, which is not always the case. I thought Cadence had a pretty rough start. There were a lot of turnovers. There are some mistakes in there, but the fact that it didn't just totally blow up her night, like I had her, I wrote a stock watch risers and fallers from the exhibition. And I had her on the fallers, at halftime, just getting ready to get stuff going. And by the end of the second half, I had taken her off because, yeah, she had a really bad start first half, whatever it was. She didn't let it turn into a bad night. Even if she didn't have a great performance, the fact that she didn't crumble and melt under a few mistakes, I thought was a pretty good sign just in a freshman's first game. She does not need to be the team's leading scorer and the team's heart and soul she just has to go out there and give them good minutes and not folding under pressure is a good road to doing that down the down the road i guess exactly she made some typical freshman mistakes i think like you said in the turnovers fouls etc but she pulled it back together in that second half and showed some good flashes of stuff later on so i agree i thought as far as a freshman goes in an exhibition game everyone did well I think the one I was impressed by most, and this is not to take anything away from KK, because anyone who has been listening to this podcast for the last year and a half knows that I am the conductor on the KK Arnold train. <laughs> she was great. She was exactly what we thought that KK would be. She had that play on the fast break where she got it, and she just turned on that hyperspeed, got up the court, I think dribbled behind her back, and then passed it off. It just felt like the prototypical kk arnold sequence and that's what we're gonna see from her this year but i was really impressed by ashlyn shade not by what she did in the game but just how she looked because out in europe it was very much a roller coaster there was good but then she would just make some of the most mind-boggling mistakes a pass to no one it's not even like there's a defender in the direction of where she's trying to pass this it was 
this the game really sped up on her she was clearly pressing on a lot of moments but in this game i thought she was really calm i thought she was composed she played confident she knew what she wanted to do at every moment that she was on the floor so just the fact that i was able to tell that so quickly from those games in august until now that's a really good sign for her development and then on top of that gino said that she was the she played the best among the the young kids he called them the freshmen i assume freshmen but that could have included ice too but she was the best in the secret scrimmage against syracuse so my eye test what gino's saying those are those are well first those are two different stratospheres <laughs> of compliments but just two good things going for ashlyn going into the regular season because i think she's going to be in the perfect spot to contribute in her first year she can rebound she can shoot she can defend and she can do everything else that she might be needed on the court so there's I bet there's going to be a game where she has like 15 points, really knocks down threes, and there are going to be plenty of games where she doesn't score a point or maybe has two points, and you're still going to be coming out of it saying, wow, Ashlyn made an impact today. Ashlyn had a pretty good game. Yeah, something that stood out to me with her was like her movement off the ball too, the way she was moving, trying to get open. I thought that was impressive, especially for a freshman in their first game. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but she seems like one of those players that the basketball IQ is there. The work is there. Every single person mm -hmm. we've talked to about Ashlyn has said that. And one thing that came up a lot during the summer into the preseason was that she wants so badly to be good and to contribute that it's almost to her detriment sometimes. So I can't remember if it was Gino or CD saying that they just need her to take a breath sometimes and relax and settle into what she can do. And it seems like she's coming along with that. Having said that, I guarantee there's going to be some moment in two weeks where she's on the floor and she does something that you just have to laugh at because it's so incredibly bad. And it's just classic freshman mistake. And she's going to learn from it. But in the moment... It's just going to be really, really bad. Yeah, that's just part of being a freshman, too. And it's why you try to get them minutes now so that they're not making those mistakes in March. Yeah, exactly. Especially with Paige Becker's sounding that she's going to be limited. Gino was on ESPN today for their women's college basketball preview show. And he basically said that her minutes were again going to be limited against Dayton. She only played the first half of the exhibition. I don't know if it's going to be strictly first half against Dayton, but again, it's like a second preseason, so maybe not a bad idea. Or maybe play her into the third quarter, but not to the fourth quarter, because I think there is something to just getting back into the game after halftime, after that break. But she's not going to get a ton of playing time on Wednesday. It's not going to be a 35, even a 30 minute night, even over 25, I think would probably be pushing it. And that's a guard spot that maybe it's KK, maybe it's Ashlyn, maybe it's both of them. They're going to see plenty of minutes, especially in that second half when it's up to a 40 point lead. Obviously Dayton's not going to come back. Go let the kids out there, see what they can do. And 
and that's going to be one of the longer stretches they get with the schedule that they have coming up. Exactly. It doesn't exactly get easy after this week. Someone else who is good, which it feels a little obvious to say, but Edwards did what she wanted when she wanted where she wanted. Yeah, I mean, it expected, especially, well, expected based on what she did last year, and then even more expected in an exhibition game where Southern just doesn't have the size to do much against a player like Olia Edwards, but still good to see her come out and kind of pick up where she left off last season. Gino had this quote, and I reference it all the time, and it kills me because I wasn't actually at this game to have the audio myself. I think I read it in the current because there's it was that Thanksgiving snowstorm or that week of Thanksgiving snowstorm. I was trying to drive back from stores. I was trying to drive from stores to Hartford and then back home to Glastonbury for the Thanksgiving break in a 15 year old minivan with bald tires, <laughs> two wheel drive. It went about as well as you could expect. I got to a certain point on 384 and said, actually, I'm just going to go home instead. So I watched it at home, but Olivia Nelson Adota had like the second most points on the team. She had more points than Kristen. They were freshmen at this point. So this is like the third time they've ever played because it was a weird exhibition after the real games had already started. And what he said was along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, you have to consider the opponent. She was 6'5", and the other team probably didn't have anyone taller than six feet or 6'1". But you'd rather have them do it against someone that is far inferior than not do it against someone who's far inferior. Right. And I think that basically applies to Aaliyah right here. This is exactly what we expected Aaliyah to do, and it's exactly what she did do. So if, like, her numbers aren't even that spectacular, but it was just the way that she played and the dominance that she had out there. It was almost like, yep, Aaliyah's good. Put that in the back of your mind. Don't have to worry about it for a little while. Yeah, and I mean, she only played 20 minutes too, so 16 and 10 in 20 minutes is, is pretty good. Yeah. One more positive. I thought Caroline Ducharme looked like her freshman year self again. And again, to reference the Gino interview today, he said that she basically was not healthy at any point last year, which isn't much of a surprise but that she's looking like freshman year Caroline again. And we saw glimpses of that. I, there was the scoring, there was the shooting, but there are a few plays defensively where is she a great one-on-one -on -one defender? No, but she can be a disruptive defender with her reach, her length. She blocked a lot of shots that freshman year. So I thought we saw a little bit of that. She started, which if you listen to the last podcast, I was firmly in the camp of she is not going to start. I was confident she was not going to start, but she started. I don't really see a path out of her not starting, which we will talk about in a little bit when we get through our predictions, but it was a very, I don't think anyone had a better day than Caroline because she looked good. She got out of there healthy. That's all you can ask for right now. Yeah, she didn't get hit in the head for a game, so that's something. <laughs> but no, she didn't look good. I think her starting makes more sense in the context of like what was said about Aubrey after the game, because I think I would have thought that Aubrey would be in that kind of final starting spot, but if she's only going to play in three to four minute bursts, like then I think Caroline starting makes a lot more sense, and you probably want to start with the experience for now at least. Yeah, exactly. 
And then with ice, you have so little depth in that front court. At least until Ayanna Patterson not only is back, but can show you something that you can have trust in putting her in and maybe just having her be the only big in there or play alongside one of the other two, you're not going to have ice in the starting lineup when you basically need her to give Aaliyah Edwards a rest and still have a good post presence in there. And to what I said last week about Gino really loves a scorer off the bench, okay, maybe you don't get pure scoring that you get with Caroline, but KK Arnold is coming in and changing the game anyways, so it's not a one-for-one swap, but you're still getting something very, very different when you go to that bench. Yeah, and you're getting points from Aubrey, too, and I think if we see that consistently as well, then you've got scoring off the bench coming that way, too. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Aubrey ends up averaging like 11 points per game, which isn't a huge number, but it's because she is averaging literally 11 points every single night. Mm -hmm. Never, I mean, there's probably going to be some big nights, but never like a two-point night. She's consistently going to have her three, four baskets, a few trips to the field goal line just from getting in on rebounds, defending well. I think that's a lot more valuable than if she's averaging 14 points a night, but it's swinging back and forth between her having 18 and other nights where she's not doing much. Yeah, I agree. I think consistency is a lot of what this team is going to need from what's coming off the bench, especially when you've got a lot of other options off the bench that are freshmen that you're not going to be able to count on necessarily for consistency. Having someone like Aubrey being consistent will be huge freshman or when she gets healthy Ayanna Patterson who while she looked really good last year before that knee got messed up was far from a model of consistency yeah exactly (laughs) I did have one concern beyond Gino's quote about Aubrey's minutes and the defense I didn't think looked super impressive it felt very similar to what we saw in Europe where they have some nice moments, but there's very often a breakdown and someone is wide open or you're just not good enough one-on-one. You, essentially, you're allowing too many easy baskets. And it feels weird to say that when Central or Southern scored, what, like 39 points or whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, to reference something Gino says a lot, just because the other team misses a shot doesn't mean you played good defense. It's about right. what type of of quality the other team is getting. And I thought they were giving up way too many quality shots to Southern or anybody. I agree. I tend to not worry about it that much because it's just an exhibition game. I'd be more concerned if we start seeing it as the season really starts, but you were also playing a lot of different lineups and stuff like that. So I think like that messes with the defense. I'll be more worried about it if we're still feel the same way after like NC State or after Maryland right now I'm not super concerned yeah it's not a red flag but I'm certainly looking in the direction of my flag guy yeah (laughs) and it just reminded me a little bit of Europe which I think was my concern I wrote after the Europe trip that I'm not worried about the defense but if it looks like this still in November I'm going to start to get worried so I think I'm in the process of beginning my worry without quite being worried. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. I mean, against State, and you'll get an idea, but I think NC State will be clearer. 
However, on the other hand, the defense did give us this great sequence from both Gino and the players afterwards. Here's the audio. Watch out when the players come in to interview. Careful they don't foul you. We had, we had 25 in the exhibition game, and we had 20 today. So be on your best behavior when they walk in. Is that your teachable uh, thing from today? Teachable thing from today. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Honestly, God, it's just a, it's a, it's, it's a, um, it's contagious, I think. Um, the one downside to amp, ramping up the, the aggressiveness factor and saying we really want to get after it is then it takes some, takes some work to go from let's play conservatively because we don't have enough bodies to now let's be a, let's attack every possession and then let's know when to do what. So we're working on that. You actually only had eight fouls today, Alexa. Huh? You actually only had eight fouls today. Who? You. Us? I thought we had 20. No, they had 20. They had 20? Oh, we only had eight. I think the refs gave us a, I think they gave us a, a, a great whistle today. Disregard that last one. We only had eight. Oh, man. I'm kind of disappointed. Um, for any of you, coaches talked a lot about wanting to see you guys really be down on the defensive end of the floor. So going into Wednesday, what do you think the focus is going to be on, on that side of the ball? Um... I think it'll be focusing on containing our player and a lot of focus on not fouling. Yeah, he thought you guys had like 20 fouls today. Like, you're only on eight, but... <laughs> oh, I hear you. I So, that was pretty good. Before we move on, just a quick little ad read. The season is almost here, so... If you're looking for the place to get UConn women's basketball coverage all year round, but in-depth coverage during the season that I'm, I know I'm biased, but I think it's coverage that you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for the UConn women's basketball weekly. You can either become just a free subscriber. You'll get plenty of stories there, including a recap of everything happening in the world of the Huskies every Thursday morning, or you can become a premium subscriber $6 a month or $70 per year. You get analysis, film rooms, breakdowns, all that sort of stuff. After the exhibition, we did Risers and Fallers, as I mentioned. We have a story that I'm really excited about going out is as great as Megan's player breakdowns were, and they were very good. You should go check them out there on the weekly. Nobody knows the team better than the team itself, so I collected all the quotes on every player from everyone throughout the year picked out the best ones and it's UConn women's basketball breaking down its own roster telling you about the players what to expect out of them what they like what they've seen all that sort of stuff so insights that only the team can get you that is going out on Tuesday so by the time you listen to this it should be out then we've had a lot of preview stuff go out too so you get all of that by signing up for the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly at www.uconnwbbweekly.com. Just put in your email. You'll get plenty that way, or you can sign up. So 
Anyways, moving on. With the season beginning on Wednesday, we decided to put together our annual predictions. So you can read them on our other site, the UConn blog. But we're going to run through them anyways. So starting off with the season's big storyline, what are you expecting from Paige Becker's return? I don't want to get expectations too high because I think that's unfair to her because obviously she's coming off a full year of injuries and uh, like uh, basically another year of injury the year before. But I feel like we're going to see a freshman Paige Beckers again and she's going to be kind of one of, if not the best player in the country. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about that and she's going to be back at that level. I am not getting my expectations high for now. That's January. I think these first couple of months, we're going to see moments where like, oh man, this isn't just the old page. This is like new page and she's better. And there's also going to be moments where it's like, ah, yeah, she hasn't really played basketball for the last two years. So I think it's going to be a little rocky to start. By no means will she be bad at any point, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a game or two in there where it's maybe... She's got five assists, but four points with a two of 12 shooting night and things just aren't falling and she just ends up on the bench because no need to really dig yourself into a deep hole. I think there's going to be a few of those ups and downs, just knocking the rust off, getting back into the flow of it. But by January, it's going to be the page that we saw before. And by February, it's going to be page at a new level. So... I have no doubt that she's going to get back to being, like you said, one of, if not the best player in the country. But I don't think she's going to win player of the year because I think Caitlin Clark is just too established. The team around her is just so weak that she is really going to pile up the stats. So I think player of the year is going to be a reflection of the team that both of them on are on because Paige has so much around her. Caitlin Clark has so little around her. She's the defending national player of the year. She's right now the face of women's college basketball. It's Caitlin Clark's to lose. I agree. I think Clark is just going to put up such gaudy numbers that it's going to be hard to beat her for national player of the year. I think the way that it happens is if it's a viola really struggles as a collective then i think the conversation will open up more but until that happens i agree i think it's going to be really hard to beat clark for player of the year this year caitlin clark's going to have the best season for a team that gets knocked out in the second round yeah (laughs) basically just another thing on page that i mentioned before but it's just going to be fun Paige is going to have fun yes. with it. There's going to be some really fun moments. One that I had, I don't know if I totally forgot about it, but I just hadn't thought about it in such a long time is remember against Iowa when Paige just slapped Gino as <laughs> she was running up the floor. Oh yeah. Gino's reaction to it. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more of Paige having fun because she hasn't been able to really in the last like, Two years, and I think we're going to see a lot of that. And, like, she's just so good. There's nothing Gino can say about it, too. I feel like that plays into it, too. <laughs> but Gino's also going to be Gino about it. Like, yeah. He's going to pretend like he hates it. He's going to be all grumpy. But you just know that he loves it. He, exactly. You can just see how much he loves having Paige out there. Obviously for her basketball skills, but 
He just loves the kid too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a moment in the exhibition. I it kills me that I don't think it captured on camera, but Randy, the play by play guy, mentioned it that she subbed out at one point and as she was running off, her, her ponytail just like happened to swing and drilled Gino in the face. Gino just had like a very Gino <laughs> reaction where he like stared at her, took his glasses off, and like very dramatically cleaned them and put them back on. So, I, unless I missed that during the broadcast, <laughs> I think they were like the, the. I don't even think the camera was on the bench, but I wish there was video of that somewhere because that must have been really funny. But yeah, I didn't notice it either, so I'm guessing it wasn't on the broadcast. But that's hilarious. <laughs> This leads nicely into the next category, which is leading score. Normally, we do leading score, leading rebounder. <laughs> the leading rebounder is any anyone other than Aaliyah Edwards. There's been some problems. So, yeah. <laughs> leading score, who you got? I feel like the obvious answer is Paige, but I might say AZ. I could just see, like, AZ... Having some of the pressure off of her, just opening her up a little bit more. And the fact that Paige is also going to distribute the ball and not just be scoring. Um, so I could see it being easy fun. So I'll pull back the curtain a little bit, let you know how the sausage gets made As for the listeners. we Our predictions post is not out yet as we're recording this. Megan has not put her predictions in yet, which is fine. They're not due yet. But both... Ian Bethuna, photographer, and Dan Madigan, just, I don't, I don't know how to describe Madigan, an editor, I guess, but that feels like it sells him short. Both of them said AZ, and I felt like I was in the minority saying Paige, because, yeah, <laughs> AZ's, it, it all lines up for it to be AZ, but at the same time, Paige is Paige, and when the game is on the line and it matters, or not even when the game's on the line, but just UConn hasn't scored in two minutes. Villanova's turned a 14-point lead into an eight-point lead, and it's not like a do-or-die moment, but it's just like, damn, UConn really needs a basket. Paige is going to get the ball. She's going to go down. She's going to score. Maybe that doesn't result in the team's leading score, but I have just learned that betting against Paige Beckers is a bad proposition, so I'm picking Paige as my leading scorer. That's very fair. I also hadn't been in that file yet, so I didn't know that everyone else picked AZ too. <laughs> oh no, that was it, exactly that was the funny part is you saying ah, it might be the sneaky pick one. No, that's that's <laughs> who everyone's got. <laughs> sneaky pick would be going to Leah. I uh, yeah, I could see that too, especially like I feel like in UConn schedule, it's kind of like when they play like South Carolina, I, there's not a like ton of like bigs that I'm overly excited about that they're playing which could kind of open up space for Aaliyah to to really dominate in that fashion there's gonna be so much distribution of wealth around the bigs or around the guards sorry there's so much on Aaliyah's shoulders with such a thin front court which we'll get to if she averaged 18 points a game and AZ and Paige are at 16 and Caroline's at, I don't know, 14. It's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think mm -hmm. it's still kind of fair to have her number three as on that list, but 
it's not like it would be an upset if she ended up being the number one scorer. I mean, going into last year, would you have guessed that she would lead the team in scoring? No, but I also feel like that was coming off of like sophomore Alia, which just was really struggling. <laughs> That's true. We also could not have predicted Apocalypse 2.0. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next up is breakout player. So can be anyone on the roster. Before I throw it to you, I really thought about putting AZ as this because, yes, AZ had those six incredible games at the start of last year. But it's kind of crazy to think we still really haven't seen what AZ can do in an entire season. So my choice was not easy, but I thought about it. <laughs> that's I mean that is fair because we've only seen it in glimpses. We haven't really seen it. I might do I don't know if this is also kind of cheating because we've seen it some, but Caroline Ducharme, I think we saw what she could do in her freshman year. She just struggled so much with injuries last year, but if she's healthy, I feel like she could be a really big contributor on this team that people aren't necessarily like expecting to be a huge contributor. Yeah, it's easy to forget how friggin' good she was that freshman year. The Louisville game where she almost single-handedly carried them to that win. The DePaul game is the one that everyone remembers. She scores mm -hmm. the game winner. But even last year, she comes back her first game from a concussion. She helps UConn erase a double-digit fourth-quarter deficit against Creighton. Having not played in two months. Exactly. It's, yeah. <laughs> She's just got this this special sauce about her that when the lights are the brightest, when the moment is the biggest, that's when she's at her best. It's the same thing with Paige. It's the same thing with, like, Diana Taurasi. It's really hard to think of more UConn examples because of how <laughs> often they're in blowouts. But you get my point. Yeah, just it's that health factor. If she's healthy... She's a really good player, so hopefully the trend that she's been on so far, hopefully that continues, that she stays healthy, she's her normal self. I actually thought it was really interesting. This was not on the ESPN interview. This was on the coach's show from Gino before the exhibition, but I just got back to listening to it today. He said the problems with Caroline have nothing to do with well, it's not a concussion problem anymore. It's like the concussion is what's causing all these problems. It's that the muscles in her shoulders and her neck get can get really, really tight with the wrong set of circumstances. And that's what causes the hex. That's why she's got the ice on her head. That's what caused a lot of these issues. And just speaking strictly personally, because I don't know what Caroline's situation is, but I did have a really bad concussion. This is back in 2014. It took me like four months to get over. And yes, those neck and shoulder tightness problems, those being residual are a major problem. I don't think I had the, the range of symptoms. Like she mentioned that like noise, lights, stress, that stress, yeah, that that is one. But like specifically, lights and noise can kind of affect attention too. But yeah, no, that makes a lot more sense because otherwise, just hearing Caroline say before the exhibition that she's got to avoid all these things to keep the symptoms down, 
sound more like a concussion. So I understand Caroline not wanting to get really deep into it, but it is good to get that insight from Gino just to have a little bit better of an understanding of what's going on. Yeah, agreed. I picked KK Arnold just because I can't be conducting the KK Arnold hype train <laughs> and then not pick her. It's pretty self-explanatory, I think. Next one, X Factor. So this could be a player, it could be a facet of the game, it could be anything that you want it to be that is going to be an X Factor for this team. I'm going to go with a player, and I'm going to say Albert Griffin here, because I think if they can get... Hopefully I didn't just take yours. <laughs> but no, if they can get... Okay, good. <laughs> um like what we've seen so far from Aubrey, like you were saying this summer. And then again, what we saw in the exhibition kind of consistently in the burst of minutes that she's playing. I think this front court is a lot ahead of where Gina's maybe selling it to be at right now. And I think when we talk about that being kind of one of the biggest questions for this team, if Aubrey's playing at that level every day, I think it's less of a question. So I think she's kind of can, can make a huge difference for this team. No, I like that. My reaction was because I'm looking at the doc right now that you haven't been in. And <laughs> Ian had full court. It's full court defense that they've talked about. Madigan and me, I, I stole Madigan's, was front court depth. So Aubrey hadn't come up and I don't think I had her in my mind. She would have been like a much further down the list of players just because in my mind, she was such a big player last year, but I, I think the argument that you make where you really need that front court depth. I think last year she played a lot more like a guard than a forward, but mm -hmm. I think we're going to see that flipped this year, especially with Kate and Samuel being, as I've said a million times, the more of a backward version of Aubrey Griffin. So I like that pick. As I said, I'm going with the front court depth just because I, I think that's kind of the definition of an X factor. That's going to decide how far UConn goes. Gino loves the comment. It, it's amazing how much harder life gets when you lose Brianna Stewart. But I think he said it every <laughs> single year since Stewie's been gone that the bigs are going to decide how far this UConn team goes. And we've seen that. They really struggled with... They had two really good players in Gabby Williams and Nafisa Collier those first couple of years after Stewie. But Gabby Williams was 5'11". Fee was, it is 6'1". That's not a ton of height. Then you get Liv in, and Liv's got the height, but Liv didn't have that dog in her. And last year, you have Dorka and you have Aaliyah. That team had much deeper problems than just the forwards. And Aaliyah had a really bad game in that Ohio State loss anyways, so I guess it does kind of track. And he says the same thing this year, and I think we know what is going to be. She's going to be really good. She's going to be an All-American on one of the teams. I think she decides which one that'll be. Also, Paige and AZ will decide which one that's going to be mm -hmm. because if Paige yeah. is on the first team and AZ's on the second team, I think it's going to be pretty hard for a third UConn player to get on one of those top two teams. But... I think Ice Brady's probably going to be pretty good from everything that we've heard, what we saw in the exhibition. She, I think, is capable of being a number two. I'm not as worried about her as I am about what's behind that. And if you have to go to Aubrey Griffin when, yeah, she's capable, but what if 
it's a Leon Icer in foul trouble against a team with size. Ayanna Patterson, I'm not as worried about her as a player as I am with her knee, just because she has a knee procedure that Gino compares to Morgan Tuck, who is not someone that you want your knee compared to. <laughs> no. And that is, that's way back in, I think, June that he tells us. And we don't know when the procedure happened, but even if it's just June, we're now five months on from that, and she doesn't play in the exhibition because of that knee. He says that she hopes to be ready against Dayton, but until I see it, she's still not back. How much is that? She hasn't played all off season. So if we get the Ayanna Patterson that we saw at the beginning of the year before the knee really affected her, that's an impactful player, but that's also not someone that you can totally count on because of how often she was in foul trouble, how often there were turnovers or mistakes and just, playing hard but sometimes going over that edge and playing a little too hard so there's questions with her as a player but the injury can questions are more of a concern with me and then you have an exhibition and amari de barry barry barely plays she is the last player into the game i just don't have much confidence that if we haven't seen it to this point through that exhibition that i don't think we're gonna see it. so you have Aaliyah. You know what you're getting there. You have ice. I think I know what they're going to get there. And then just a lot of question marks. You're going to need some things to go right there. Yeah, exactly. There's there's not a lot of depth. And then you're putting a lot of pressure on Olia, specifically, and ice as well, to stay out of foul trouble. And maybe that's more concerning for ice. You know, she's technically still a freshman. That's a lot of pressure to put on a freshman. Yeah, not a freshman in that she's been around the program for a year. And I think that that's not nothing. Right. But she also hasn't played in a college game. Mm-hmm. That is something. Exactly. Next up, we've got the most common starting lineup. We talked about this a little. I think it's the one that we saw in the exhibition. Paige, Nika Mule, AZ Fudd, Caroline Ducharme, Aaliyah Edwards. I don't see how it varies a ton without injuries. I also agree. I, I expect to kind of see that, especially knowing what we know about Aubrey now. I would expect that to be the, the lineup. Toughest opponent. It's a tough conference schedule. There's a lot of interesting games, a lot of good games. Who's your toughest one? I think UCLA is probably the toughest team on their schedule. That one's going to be a lot of fun. Cayman Islands, they look good tonight. I think I watched about half of their game or so earlier. The Lauren Betts edition seems to be working for them. They also have Angela Dijalik back, who was on the Serbian national team, who missed all of last year with injury after transferring in there. So their front court looked good, and then they've got a ton of talent in their backcourt. I think UConn still has more talent in their backcourt, but, I mean, you say that he's got Chris Osborne and Kiki Reyes, a handful of other freshmen from that class last year that are really good. So I think that's going to be the toughest game. And we get it in just a couple weeks. KK Arnold is... Oh, not KK Arnold. Sorry. Too many Ks. Kiki Rice (laughs) is a player. I remember watching her on that three-on-three tournament that Ayana played in with USA Basketball. Oh, she was phenomenal. She's really good, yeah. My answer is 
the one that's going to make you groan and roll your eyes. But I think the answer is UConn itself. Like, if all goes well with this team, no one's going to touch them. They, they just need to stay out of their own way. The, yeah. Like, if the bigs that we just talked about contribute, short of injuries, if this team has everyone, I, I really don't think there's a good reason for this team not to be winning the national championship. If all stays healthy and everyone is who we think we, they are. Like those are two non-insignificant things, but if everyone's out there and every player is at least 85% of what we think they're going to be, yeah, I think LSU gives them a good test. I think South Carolina showed that they might be better than at least I expected them to be. Yeah, I was impressed with them. Though I can't decide how much of that was South Carolina looking good or Notre Dame looking terrible. Yeah, Notre Dame with no Olivia Miles. It's a little, <laughs> little tough. If if you want me to give like an actual opponent, I don't know. I just... Has UCLA made a coaching change? <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> like, I, I have... That's why I have trouble buying their hype. Sneaky one, Texas. I know they don't have, like, yeah. the star power, but goddamn can Vic Schaefer coach defense. Well, I would agree with that. That's a sneaky one for sure. And it's on the road. Yeah. And it's in, like, a juggernaut stretch of the schedule. South Carolina, that one's going to be really easy to get up for, for, like, 10 million reasons. One of them being it's right in the middle of Big East play. You're going to be looking for a good opponent in there. Texas. Right before Texas, you've got... Well, you go from NC State to Maryland to Minnesota. Then you've got the Cayman Islands with UCLA and Kansas, who... Kansas is no pushover. I think you kind of win that game probably by like mm-hmm. 10-15, but it's not like it'll... It's a guaranteed win. Right. Then you've got Texas with the Nika Mule game against ball state coming up right after that then north carolina and louisville so there are two easy games in there in Minnesota and ball state but there's also a lot of emotions involved in both of those easy games which make them not as easy as if you were just playing i don't know pick some other random team now wisconsin has marissa mosley <laughs> is there like Illinois, I guess. Just random big Illinois is actually pretty good, but yeah. Ah, you're right. You're right. Uh, as if you were playing Miami of Ohio. Purdue. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with that one if I have to make a real decision. I'm going to save our next question for last, but. Okay. Wild card, hot take, anything you want to say? I always struggle with this one every year when we do these previous i don't know why i think it's just because it's like so broad wild card yeah i was really hoping you had ideas because this is the one thing i haven't filled out (laughs) on the predictions i can't figure it out i have like so many ideas like do you go down a page becker's path do you go down like a gino does something very gino-y do you (laughs) like go serious do you go funny struggling does she just be like a take purge like 
you know like the movie the purge crime doesn't count for one night. <laughs> like this should just be like you can have any take and it does not matter you there are no repercussions to it so like but again i i can't even come up with the one like that having said. yeah i don't i feel like i'm like i just don't have any like strong takes part of me is like this team's gonna go undefeated and win the national championship but the other part of me is like they're gonna drop a game like xavier and it's gonna be the worst thing of all time <laughs> yeah it's just like so hard to predict and i think we're also so scarred from like how the last couple seasons have gone that it's just like you don't want to say anything <laughs> any sort of prediction got blown out the window by december 5th last year yeah yeah, I mean, they could. I think tonight nicely set it up for them to like basically be wire to wire number ones, and that they're going to be number one in the first official poll to come out, assuming no disaster in the next two games. Like, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd just like to say that I said that that team had a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of questions. Yeah, I can. If you didn't know already, when you listen to this, LSU lost their season opener to Colorado, and not just lost it, but yeah, blown out of the building basically. While at the same time, before the game, Haley Van Lift said that anybody can come and get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, probably true for the rest of their non-conference opponents, which all feature East-West whatever school that no one's heard of but i don't know i've heard that louisiana state penitentiary is pretty good <laughs> yeah so interesting for them I mean, i'm sure they'll figure it out to some extent but they definitely have a lot of work to do it did not look good tonight at all their freshmen look like the best player on the floor for lsu and colorado's players looked like the ones that should be getting the all-american hype <laughs> i really like colorado's coach oh yeah i like their coach they're also very good i think you saw that in the tournament last year they're spicy they they you know beat duke at home granted i never really believed in in duke in that tournament but they did beat duke at home and i think they only lost by like 10 to iowa they kept it pretty close in that the iowa game as well pac-12 is going to be a very fun league for its last season I say this, I, I can't think of the Colorado coach's name. I know she has a like unique name, right? Yeah, I don't I'm not gonna look at Blake on a tube, even though I've just probably heard it fifteen times tonight already watching it, but J.R. Payne. There we go. Yes, yes. So they were in Seattle two last year, but they were like the other regional that was in Seattle at the same time with the two regionals. And I I don't remember how or why. But I ended up in her press conference and you, you know, when you just listen to some coaches talk and you're like, they don't actually know what they're doing. This, yeah. this isn't going to go well. And there's some coaches that like the way they talk about their team and their plans and their tasks and like their vision, you're just like, Oh my God, please offer me a scholarship. I want to come play for you. Like I, I'm not even good at basketball, but I want to play for you. That was the vibe I got with J.R. Payne. Yeah, no, they clearly came out with a, a plan of attack against LSE today, and it was very effective. Before we get to that last question, just while we're on the topic of uh, other games, 
Shea Ralph starts off her season with a 98-51 win over Kennesaw State, which if you know anything about the way Shea Ralph's first two seasons have go- gone, there's no discounting opponents there. That's a good way to start. <laughs> and great. fun little fact, Anna Makarat's younger sister, Aga, started in her first collegiate game for oh. Vanderbilt. Nice. All right, I'll let you off the hook with a wild card, considering I okay. can't think of one either. <laughs> the final ultimate question that we ask at the start of every UConn season. Do they win the national championship? Part of me doesn't want to say yes, because I feel like you're just like jinxing them after the last few years, because I feel like we keep saying yes, and then it's like, oh, just kidding. Um, but, I mean, should this team stay healthy? Like, yeah, I think they do. I am entering my ninth season covering UConn women's basketball. I've been like full-time doing it. I started at the tail end of the Stewie year and was far from like on top of it. So my freshman year at UConn was the first year I did a full-time 2016, 17, that very fun year where they set the wins consecutive wins record, the Mississippi state year, you know, which one I'm talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Every year since then, including that one, we have done women's basketball predictions. And every year we have this question. And I'm pretty certain that every single year I have said that, yeah, UConn's going to win the national championship this year. <laughs> and uh, if you're just tuning in, UConn is in the midst of its longest NCAA tournament championship drought. So I will firmly say no they are not going to win the national championship they're going to come up short as they have in hopes of maybe reverse jinxing it because (laughs) my god i've been here nine years i want to cover a national championship team i do not know what that is like and it would be a really good story this year so no they're not going to do it I feel like after having to watch an LSU Iowa championship bridge for anyone that listens to me talk knows it's like my worst nightmare. I deserve like a UConn UCLA championship game this year. That was just this podcast's worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I do not think you could have handpicked two teams worse to be in the championship for us than Iowa and LSU. Yeah. <laughs> I mean for you, Ellis or no, I'm sorry. For you, Iowa was was as bad as it gets and for me, I'm not sure <laughs> last season could have gone much worse. <laughs> and I will not elaborate further on that if you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and before we fully dive into the upcoming season, just a quick look ahead to the future cuz on Wednesday It is the start of the early signing period for UConn. Right now they have two commits. Ali Zabel, if you're new to the pod, oh man, we are going to talk some Ali Zabel. And Morgan Shelley seems like a great kid. I got to talk with her on the phone when she committed. Two guards, two... Zabel is just a pure scorer. She can... She's just really impressive on the offensive end. Chelly is supposed to be more of that versatile big guard that you can likes. And then there are two more players out there that are uncommitted that UConn is a finalist for. One of them, Ariana Roberson, a 6'5 post player out of Colorado. Not out of Colorado, out of San Antonio. 
and then the number one player in the class, another post player, but smaller, 6'2", Sarah Strong. Rovers would be nice, I think. Sarah Strong, you really feel good about the future of this program. So, whether they commit before Wednesday, I have no idea. I'm kind of hoping they don't because I got a really busy week before then with the season starting. But <laughs> signing day, despite its placement at the direct start of the college season, is always one of my favorite days because it's fun to hear what you know has to say about the new kids. Because this is the first time he can probably comment about them. They have to sign a letter of intent. Yeah, definitely exciting. Maybe could be moved to not coincide with like the first game of the season would make everyone's lives a little easier. Like a week earlier, a week later, (laughs) just one one way or the other. Yeah. (laughs) But I suppose that is too much to ask for. On that note, that is going to do it. This episode of Chasing Perfection, I think we mentioned it last episode, but very hard to believe that we're going into season number four, our senior season of Chasing Perfection. Luckily, we get eligibility beyond this year. Season number nine for me on the beat. Season number, I think, six we talked about last time for you. Yeah, six somehow. I don't know when that happened, but yeah, season six. (laughs) 15 years of combined experience on the beat. We're going to add in the four of the podcast, so 19 years. (laughs) Excited for the year to get going. Our coverage will be obviously here on the podcast all season long, but on the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly, as we talked about, and on the UConn blog. So looking forward to it beginning in earnest. On that note, that'll do it. Thanks for listening.